Good evening. It's 907 at WPTF Radio. That's AM 680 and FM 98.5. You can set a button on each line of your F, of your radio in your car, and you can hear WPTF uh, weather, traffic, news, and you can hear the Tom Kearney Show every night, Monday through Friday from 9 until 10, with a little bit of in, in real-time talk here on WPTF. I am the aforementioned Tom Kearney, and tonight we have a very special guest, a gentleman named Lee Pace. And uh, I'm going to sneak up on him by way of introduction in a way, in that tonight I was watching Jeopardy. And the answer to the, the big question at the end was uh, Mark Twain. And Mark Twain has a connection with the book that we're going to talk about tonight, a book that Lee Pace has written. Uh, Mark Twain, one of his most famous quotations is, Golf is a good walk spoiled. I, I, I remember reading it as, Golf is a good walk ruined. But... Uh, I think Lee Pace has started out in this book, the title of which is Good Walks, Rediscovering the Soul of Golf at uh, 18 of the Carolina's Best Courses. He's going to turn Mark Twain on his head, and it's not going to be a, a walk. It's not going to be ruined, but in fact, it's going to be something very special. Lee, are you ready to tell us about Lee Pace and golf? Well, I am, Tom. Thanks very much for having me um, on the show. and. Uh, yeah, we, we listed that quote from Mark Twain at the beginning of the book, and right underneath it says poppycock. Um, right, I thought I'd leave that for you to say. I never know who this anonymous guy is, but uh, he has a lot of quotations, so, as you know. So that set the book up, and, and we just go on from there to talk about, um, you know, the, the wonderful game of golf and, and how it's best experienced the way it was conceived in Scotland so many years ago on foot and uh, without artificial contrivances like a golf cart. I want to say before you go any further, and, I, and then I, I told you I would, I really wanted you to talk tonight because you have, you have a good story for our short radio program, that I do not, I am not a golfer. I, I like all sports, and I watch them on TV, and I've had friends who played golf, and my alma mater, Wake Forest, had, used to have pretty good golf teams. Uh, but I've really enjoyed this book, and it, it, I've really enjoyed reading it, and, and you're not paying me any money at all for, for saying that. Uh, and, uh, well, I, I appreciate the compliment. It was a lot of fun to do. It was a kind of a labor, labor of love over three years of going to, um, you know, 18 of the top courses around the Carolinas. Actually, a few more than that are actually featured in it, but uh, kind of rounded it off because 18 is such a good golf number. But uh, I appreciate the compliment. And uh, it's been out for about three months now, and I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, favorable impressions from people and, uh, and a lot of notes and emails and, and calls and now that COVID is kind of loosening up a little bit, I can get out and do some uh, book signings and some bookstores and at some of the clubs around the Carolinas where uh, uh, their course is featured in the book. By the way, do you have any of those scheduled that you'd like to draw attention to? Feel free. Um, w well, I will be doing something at the Country Bookstore in Pinehurst uh, later in October, but um, I don't have the date um, offhand, but uh, I am working to try and set up some functions and some talks at uh, some of the clubs and in, in Pinehurst and some of the others uh, where courses are featured in the book. Uh, and we'll, we'll let you know when those happen, and maybe you can uh, drop your listeners a line. All right. We have a lot of listeners in that area, uh, Pinehurst, Southern Pines, Aberdeen, yeah. et cetera. So uh, uh, I'd be glad to hear it, I'm sure. Uh, how, how, I, I, this is like the elephant, the, the blind man in, in the journalism class. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I had to all grab a hold of I'm having a trouble grabbing a hold of the, the book. But I guess the place that I want to start is to ask you about walking on golf courses. Have you always walked? 
I have, Tom. I've played golf pretty much my entire life and, uh, um, you know, started started writing about golf uh, at the Durham Morning Herald in the uh, in 1980 when I was just a year out of school at Chapel Hill and working for the, the sports department of the, the Morning Herald. And one of my jobs was to cover golf. And so I covered the local golf scene. And the more I, I wrote about it, the more I wanted to play. And the more I played, the more I wanted to write about it. So that's kind of where my golf writing career uh had its genesis, and I just always um, enjoyed walking. I, I just, you know, kind of a purist at heart and enjoyed reading uh, some of the books about the start of golf in Scotland and, uh, you know, some of my favorites are, you know, some Scottish golf books. And if, if you go to the United Kingdom to play golf, go to England or Scotland, Ireland, Wales, uh, hardly anybody takes a golf cart. And I've always tried to, you know, thought exercise is an important part of a, of a healthy lifestyle and just, um have always played, uh, you know, have shied away from using, from taking a golf cart. Sometimes you don't have a choice. Uh, you know, some golf courses mandate that, and so I have kind of avoided those. But I've always played most of my golf at courses where, um, you know, they're, they're walkable, they're not that spread out, and it's a, a good walk. You just sling the bag over your shoulder, and off you go. Well, I, I hope you will tell some of the stories and maybe pick out a sampling of the courses that, 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 that you uh uh, I think 18 that you picked to write about. Right. M- Mrs. Kearney and I have been to the British Isles a number of times, and and uh, in in Sky- in Ireland particularly, you think the Scots are crazy about golf. The Irish, they'll they'll build a golf course anywhere. Uh, it, oh, absolutely, and it's just it's so much fun to go to the uh, the Irish towns and villages in Scotland as well, and play golf, and then go to the pub, and you know talk with some of the local folks if you can understand what they're saying, even though they are speaking a, a form of English. Uh, sometimes they're broke to be kind of thick, but uh, it's it, it's just refreshing to to get over there and, uh, you know, not have the, the landscape littered with golf carts, um, you know, and just people playing the game, uh, you know, may take a caddy, may carry their bag, or, or take a trolley, you know, or also known as a push cart, which right. um, are, are, are part and parcel to golf in the United Kingdom, but they're just, just beginning to get a little bit more acceptance here in the United States, which is a little odd. That, um, but um, you know, a lot of top clubs that previously had thought a push cart was, um, you know, a little bit low rent, so to speak, or a little municipal golf um, kind of feel to it, are, are now loosening up and allowing um, members and, and guests to play however they want to, which I, I think is, is is great for the game. Well, I noticed one of the things is that you treated a lot of really the classic and traditional courses that would be, uh, well, I was going to address the question of St. Andrews, which, of course, is the mother church, so to speak, but then, but, but sure. the, the American version of that, like the, the courses at, uh, at Pinehurst and Southern Pines and, and, and some other places, too. But you also uh, confront, uh, as I went through the book, you confront some more modern courses, particularly over to the end, I think, the last couple or courses that right. are post-1980, if, if nothing else. And, and when you when you got around to dealing with Wilmington, I was pleased to see that you dealt with some of the municipal courses that uh, were, were, play, were, were worthy of uh, consideration in this particular case and so on. Yeah, uh, Tom, Tom, in picking the courses, I tried to... Um, you know, it, it, it had to lean toward the, um, the, the older courses just because back before... Golf courses were designed as part of real estate developments. Uh, the courses were not stretched out, and there were no golf carts, so 
the designer, the, the architect, kept them more or less compact uh, with just a short walk from one green to the next tee. But as golf gained in popularity and they became part and parcel to residential subdivisions, uh, they got stretched out and elongated because the developer wanted to be able to squeeze more lots onto the property. So, And, and as, as construction um, equipment evolved, as technology evolved, golf courses could be built in mountainous terrain that previously it couldn't be, and they had to have golf carts to ferry people around and get them up and down some of the drastic elevation changes. So, and so th- and those are difficult walks. So, so most of the walkable courses are the older ones, and, and the book is split up into two: um, the front nine and the back nine. And the front nine are all pre-World War II courses, and the last nine are. World War II and, and on, or the 1940s and on, and we do have two courses, um, Eagle Point in Wilmington and Old Chatham between Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill that are the, the two modern courses, both of them built um, 1999 and later. Well, when we when we go away here in just a second, because we need to take a break, when we come back, can we talk just for a moment, get you to, to uh, talk about this, uh, you may not want to to do this, but the spiritual aspects of this, because it is one of the things that comes through, and that is that it's not just a game, but it is, but and it's not, you know, just something that you 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 bet a lot of money on, and uh, and somebody wins a hole, or somebody loses a hole, but there's there's more to the the uh, the walk, and that's what makes it very special. If if that's okay with you, when we come back right after sure. we take this yeah, break, happy to do that. We can. Consider that a tease if you want to find out uh, uh, from uh, Lee Pace what he uh, sees in in the importance of, of the walk through the forest, so to speak. You'll want to stay tuned right after this. 921 at WPPF, Tom Kearney Show for Thursday night. I think it's June 24th, and our guest tonight is Lee Pace, who uh, has specialized over the last 30 years in writing and uh, producing uh, things that have to do with golf and golf architecture. Uh, he has done one book that, that is not about golf that, that I want to point you toward if you're a Carolina fan or if you're or whatever kind of football fan is. I think it's called Football in a Forest, The uh, uh, Life of the Keenan Memorial Stadium. Did, Lee, did I get that right? Right, Football in a Forest, The Life and Times of Keenan Memorial Stadium, Tom. I thought the book I did first edition in 2016 and followed it up with a, an addendum and a, and a new dust cover and some new material just last year uh, to cover the first two years of uh, the Mac Brown era or the Mac yeah. Brown volume two era. Well, it, I, I, I actually got a copy of that book and never got around to asking you and it had nothing to do with you. It's just, you know, things happen sometimes when things are jumbled up and I, I totally regret that at this particular point and I apologize to you, but, uh, the story of, of Keenan Stadium and, you know, the stories that uh, Mr. Keenan never wanted there to be lights there and and you were, were not just supposed to have anything higher than the trees. And one day, I, I went to graduate school at Chapel Hill, and one day I was going yeah. to a game and a whole bunch of students were crowding around me, and I realized that Andy Griffith was in the crowd somewhere. He must have been because that's yeah. <laughs> the scene he well, describes. In, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Actually, that that story about Keenan and, and the pine trees, I, I dispel in the book. Uh, they're, they're, that's just sort of an old um, uh, legend uh, that has just pop, pop, 
propagated uh, through through time over many people, but there was never anything implied, written, or said from the Keenan Stadium. But uh, I mean, from the Keenan family. But I did ask John Swafford about that, as he was the athletic director in the 1980s when they added on an upper deck and put in, or not, they put the upper deck in in the 60s. They added the permanent lights in the 1980s, and he went to to Frank Keenan and said. Um, is, is this a stipulation? And Mr. Keenan said, no, it was not. But uh, it was a pretty good guideline, though. Uh, the, the trees, of course, have grown up so so tall now that um, you know they, they still are higher than the, uh, the light post. You know, I've been playing around, and my, my, my graduate work was in history, in history for most of my life, and I found out just about as much information by, by well, just, I just tossed that up, you know, the thing about the trees, and now I know the correct answer, and if I'd never mentioned it, I would still be lingering under the, the delusion that, that Mr. Keenan, in fact, did say that. Uh, uh, Tom, uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that book up, and it, there's a, a lot of similarities with the Keenan Stadium book and the Good Walks book, and that, uh, you know, both are gorgeous coffee table books, and the, and the photography and the historical images and contained in both are, are, are very important and the, the images are just as important as the text uh, you know I, I want these these books to look good on your coffee table and to you know just be something that somebody can thumb through and just look at the pictures and read the captions that's all they want to do well I will I will agree with you I was going to mention later that at like uh, most UNC press books it's a well set up book and uh, it's the kind of thing that, that you will have up uh, on your coffee table, and I can already tell I have a couple of relatives who play golf. I don't, but they do, who are going to get it for a Christmas present. So we've already okay. taken, taken care of that. I have, uh, wanted to mention to you, and before the night's over, I hope you will talk about two or three of the, uh, just to, just as a sampling, because I've, I felt very comfortable with this book, and that is I enjoyed reading it. You know, it's, it's almost a page-turner which you don't necessarily think of a book like this as being a page-turner, but uh, it made me kind of nice and warm when you were taking us on a on a walk sometime. But I, I want you to talk about the Old Town uh, Golf Course in Winston-Salem because I, I remember hearing a lot about it when I was when I was in Winston, and that's one of my favorite places. Winston is one of my favorite places. But uh, I just, when I read that description, I thought this has got to be one of the best accounts in here. But your choice if you want to do that and when you when you when you when you do it. But we're going to talk about the sort of spiritual aspects of being in the mm-hmm. forest and taking a walk. Well, I, 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 just to go down the fact, I, I, I played golf late this afternoon or this evening at Old Old Chatham, which is the course that's featured in the book, and it was just a gorgeous afternoon. It was 80 degrees, low humidity, uh, long shadows, uh, beautiful sunlight, and you just just with several of your friends just walking and talking and hitting shots, and we had a little bit of competition going on, but it was, um, I wound up losing $3 at the end of it, so we didn't have a, a lot of money online, but it's, it's just, uh, you, you put that bag over your shoulder, and you know you, you can talk with the guys walking down the fairway if you want, or if you want to just be, be within your own thoughts. You can do that as well. You can look off in the woods. You can look for a hawk in the sky. Uh, um, you know, you can let your mind wander to anything that you want to, and then you focus it, you know, when it's your turn to hit, and you get in that zone for, for 30 seconds or whatever. You hit your shot, and if, if, you, if you hit a good one, then you can kind of relish it walking to, uh, to the green or to the next shot, or if you hit a bad one, you can kind of get off by yourself and mutter to yourself and, you know, kind of, uh, work it out of your system, and then you just don't get that when you're 
perking and jerking in a, in a golf cart. Uh, and in a golf cart, you just basically talk to one person. That's your golf cart mate. And when you're walking, you, you talk to everybody in the group. And so it's just a, a whole different social situation. But And and you can get out, Tom, you know, by yourself uh, late in the day and just get out. And it's whether you've had a good day or a bad day, just to go out on the golf course for nine holes early in the evening and these long days we have here in the summer in the south and just, you know, kind of luxuriate in nature. Um, and then riding golf carts through a residential subdivision just doesn't do anything for me, but, but walking on a, you know, the, the sandy loam of Pinehurst or near the coast or, um, you know, walking the, you know, the hills that we have here uh, um, in the, in the triangle area or, or the mountains up in the western part of the state. And, you know, just, and, and when you finish with it, you just feel a, a good tired. You know, you're, you're worn out, but it just feels good to have done that physical exercise and, and, and play the game that you love. Well, yeah, through that, I want to commend you again through the voices of the many interviews you have of, of people who are uh, uh, followers of the, the walking tradition. Uh, right. Because uh, in some places, at least, the people who play golf have a choice, and in, as you pointed out, some places they do not. Uh, but the, it comes through that it's a, it's a very positive experience for them, and uh, it's... Uh, I'm trying to avoid saying A Walk in the Woods because that's the name of a book uh, by Bill Bryson about the Appalachian Trail, but, but it's we don't have many opportunities these days to get a walk in the woods, and if you can play a little golf as you go along, I think it probably makes it uh, a little more satisfying. And one of your one of your interviewees did point out that when you when you, you carry your own bag or have a caddy carry it, and going to the next hole, you have a little time to think about your shot, and you're not just there and all of a sudden you've got to decide what you're going to do. So uh, it uh, it accounts for that. Uh, we're going to take and a break here. It's about halftime in our program. I, I told you that Tempest Fugit's around here, and so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, if you, uh, I don't want you to ask, to ask you to choose among your children, so to speak, but if you could talk about some of the, the particular chapters that, that you really enjoyed writing or dealing with, it would be nice. We're talking okay. with Lee Pace, author of Good Walks, tonight on The Tom Kearney Show. The Tom Kearney Show on WPTF Radio and Raleigh on a Thursday night. We're back with Lee Pace, the author of a new book uh, entitled Walks. I've got to get it. Got to find, I'm literally looking at the title page. Good Walks, Rediscovering the Soul of Golf at 18 of the Carolina's Best Courses. Uh, Lee, was there any any particular way other than your feeling and, and having played the courses that you chose the courses? I, I noticed uh, probably on the back, uh, the front nine, probably six out of the nine are Donald Ross courses where, where he at least laid out the, the, the run, so to speak. Yeah, Tom, we, uh, you know, I, I tried to balance it between the two Carolinas. Uh, you know, North Carolina being a bigger state, it, it had a few more courses in it than South Carolina, but I also tried to get a number of different uh, golf course uh, architects uh, represented from Donald Ross to Alistair McKenzie to uh, Perry Maxwell to um, um, Ellis Maples, uh, modern designers, Tom Fazio, Reese Jones. Um, so it, it, it had, had a nice balance to it. And, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned, a, a, a good a good feel between the, quote, golden age courses, you know, of the 1920s and 30s and, uh, you know, some of the more modern courses uh you know, Reese Jones did Old Chatham, and his father, Robert Trent Jones, did the Dunes Club down at Myrtle Beach, which is another course featured in the book. 
Right. Uh, my wife's uncle was a member of the Dunes Club. I guess that's the one course on this that I became mildly familiar with. Uh, we were visiting him one time, and a ball landed in his backyard because he lived there. And it was Spiro Agnew's ball, is who, who it was. <laughs> the vice president was playing golf in Myrtle Beach, but uh, he had he had actually moved to Myrtle Beach so he could be a member of the Dunes Club. That's how he chose where he wanted to live. And I'm sure a lot of the people that you you write about are retired CEOs and people who had lived in other parts of the country, but came to to the Carolinas because of the good golf courses and uh, the possibilities there. Well, I mean, the, the Carolinas are such a magnet because there's just so many different, varied uh, kinds of terrain, from from the mountains to the sand hills and the Pinehurst area down to the coast. Um, you know, if you want to be on the coast of either Carolina, so it's a uh, it, it, it's a remarkable. Uh, um, part of the country and, and one that I've lived in my entire life and I've traveled around quite a bit but never felt the, the need or desire to live anywhere else. Uh, one reason being there's just so much great golf uh, right here within a four-hour drive in any direction. Something that keeps popping up is, uh, is, is, is and a positive thing is in in your writing about the different people who played courses and, and walked the courses is the the importance of having the feeling the land under your feet, uh, and then having a sense of that rather than just you know being in a motorized vehicle most of the time. Uh, I want to ask you a question about playing golf. I, I don't play, but it, it, I have always thought that getting in the golf cart and riding and getting to the next hole. I, I believe sports, and I'm a big baseball fan, have a rhythm to them, you know, and uh, and that that that, that you. You would not have that there, and when you walk the course, you're, you're constantly involved in in the physical aspects of the game and getting to the next place. But you're you are um, you are uh, being able to think about it and being able to 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 be a part of still making a play rather than getting on a golf cart and going somewhere. It's like baseball pitchers now. If you watch them, they take five minutes to make one pitch, and old Robin Roberts used to just get out there and throw the darn thing. You know, it's, um, you know, it was, uh, golf was conceived as a, as a walking sport, and it was the Americans who came up with the idea for the golf cart. And, you know, I, Tom, I'll, I'll, I'll make clear that, uh, you know, I don't begrudge anybody, you know, however they want to play the game. And, and I certainly understand that some people are, you know, because of age or physical limitations, uh, they would not be able to enjoy the sport if they didn't have a motorized vehicle. But I... I just think it's sad that, uh, you know, particularly here in the United States, it's, it's the default mode, mode of playing is to, is to get in a golf cart. Um, and you, you don't you can get such a better feel for the course, uh, for what the designer was trying to do. You can see things from walking down the middle of the fairway. You know, sometimes a, a course will restrict uh, carts to the paths, particularly if it's, if it's been raining, and the fairways are wet because they don't want tires going through the fairways and, and digging them up. So you, you absolutely cannot get a feel for the course by having to ride the um, the cart paths along the extremity of every hole. So it's um, it, 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 it's just all part of the game of, of being able to enjoy the experience, of, as I talked about earlier. And uh, Sandy Tatum, who was uh, with the USGA, was one of the former president of the USGA and uh, I had one of his quotes in here. He's talked about golf carts are voracious consumers of energy and are intrusions into the environment of the game. Many of them foul the atmosphere with fumes. 
All of them clutter the scene. They chew up the grass and frustrate the process of properly maintaining the golf course. Perhaps the worst indictment is this. They have spawned vast expanses of macadam, which destroys the visage of the course and results in aberrational bounces and ridiculous rulings. So he's saying it was just one of the many people that I quoted. I thought, quote, Gil Hans, uh, Tom Fazio, uh, uh, Bill Coor, among many architects, just talking about, you know, how they go to every length to keep golf carts, um, you know, away from view, to hide them, to uh, get them. In all the books, Tom, that I've edited, uh, you know, I go to great lengths to try and not show golf carts in the pictures as I select and keep keep golf carts and, and guard, cart paths out of the field of vision as much as possible. No, I understand what you're saying. And for instance, I am uh, uh, have bad knees and I'm handicapped enough that I, if I wanted to play golf or even go go to the course now, I would need a ride, that's why I understand that, and I did, didn't mean to make too much of that, but but uh, the the limitation on the carts, uh, and I, I think probably at St. Andrews they don't have any carts, would not, would I, that not be correct, that, that uh, everybody gets to walk? It, it, as far as I know, and most courses over in, in the UK, uh, they might have one or two, they call them buggies, and you got to have a, you know, a doctor's... Um, Explanation as to why you need it in order to, in order to get one, and it, it, it's funny. Uh, you know, a lot of Americans, you know, they'll, they'll ride golf carts at their home home club, and then they'll go over to Scotland and Ireland and then walk 36 holes a day and love it. And then they but they come right back and they just jump right back in the golf cart when they get back to the states. They they don't learn their lesson as to how much better they play and how much better they feel uh, uh, playing it on foot in the UK. I know there's one of your commentators uh, said he had a young person who who rode in the golf cart with him and the the he was playing too but uh, he had he had uh, earbuds and he had his had his stereo on he was listening to it while the golf cart was proceeding and I don't even, I don't even think he was looking out the window so to speak you know uh, uh, no, yeah you know, I, I, I quoted one individual as, as marveling as the, at the the golf carts at his club had. Uh, USB ports uh, so that you could stick in, uh, you know, your charger and keep your phone charged during your golf. And he said, isn't part of the the, the the goal of golf is to get away from your phone and the computer and the noise and all the the flim flam of life and just get out um, and enjoy some peace and solitude? Why would you Why would you need to replug your your telephone during a round of golf? So I thought that was just kind of one of the many interesting anecdotes and and points of view I got from many of the players um, and the golfers that I interviewed and worked into the narrative uh, who were all equally passionate about walking and, and playing golf. One of the things I want to say to compliment you on, too, is you have a lot of, uh, it is overbearing, but a lot of history, a lot of famous names pop up. Uh, this one course I think you, you uh, was a course that Julius, 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 Julian Boris played on that you, uh, he and his brother, I think, that you that you mentioned that that may be uh, one of the courses in Southern Pines and so on. And one of the first movies I saw when I was a little kid, my mother liked to go to the movies, was the Ben Hogan story. And I think you have him commenting on a, a number of uh, uh, courses and how well they played. And there apparently was a big rush to build courses, or a lot of courses were built by the by the twenties, or by say nineteen thirty. And then and 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 as you pointed out, do you have a number of courses, including the the, the Chatham course, uh, and I guess it's in Durham, uh, that were 
built since 1985, I think, as a, as a matter of fact. Yeah, the uh, Julius Burroughs was, uh, was actually married at one point to the daughter of the owners of Mid Pines Golf Club in Southern Pines. So that's who I was talking about there. And, yeah, the, the history of each – with each club, Tom, what I tried to do was to tell a little bit about the club, its history, how it got to where it is, uh, the, the, the style of the course, the architect – why he did what he did, what makes the course stand out from others, um, give a glimpse into the membership, you know, who they are, who some of the interesting people are, and, again, I go out on the golf course with them and, you know, kind of live it through their eyes as to why they love walking that particular golf course. So that's all kind of part of, of um, you know, telling each club story and, you know, illustrating it with, um, you know, either some vintage postcards or scorecards and some, of old black and whites, and then uh, you know we've got some um, modern contemporary pictures of uh, you know every every course as well. You have the you you commented on or, or mentioned the photography earlier, and the photography is wonderful in this. And also, you've got a number of places where you have I don't know what you call them, but these devices that tell you how far you walked, how many calories you used, and how much weight you may or may not have lost, and so on to to remind people that that is an aspect in our much overweight society of what you get from from walking around around the course, and after we take a break here, uh, there are other aspects. I thought it was interesting that you covered that contribute to the walking experience and and the holistic experience of dealing with the course. One of them is you kind of run down the the, the golf bags, you know, that are, are for people who want something lightweight, and the other is the the people who play with hickory course. Uh, clubs, you know, the, I guess mm-hmm. you know what I mean, the, the old-fashioned clubs before titanium and steel and all that, there apparently is a group of people who, who are, want to bring that back, if you could talk about that a little bit. I, what I really want the listeners to know, and I'm sure you do too, is is what's in this book and why they ought to get, get their mess down to their bookstore and buy a copy of it, and I guess we should say that since it is published by UNC Press, it will have wide distribution and if your place doesn't have it, you can get it at the usual sources. We're talking with Lee Pace tonight, who is uh, the author of a book uh, called Good Walks, subtitled Rediscovering the Soul of the Golf of Golf at 18 of the Carolinas' Best Courses. And we'll be back for the final portion of our program right after this. The... Uh have our news before we go back to Lee Pace. I will tell you that tomorrow night will be trivia night, and Monday night, Dr. Edward Funkhauser will be our guest, and it will be time to update the necrology, so we hope you will tune in for that. Lee Pace is a writer and producer of items that deal with the, with golf, and he's done a lot of work on the history of golf in North Carolina and South Carolina, and has written a number of books that have to do with the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, including the aforementioned book about Keenan Stadium that I recommended to you. And we're talking tonight about a new book that's been out about three months uh, called Good Walks, Rediscovering the Soul of Golf uh, at 18 of the Carolina's Top Courses. Lee, my my interview book, uh, you're, you're a great interviewer, so you will know about the interviewer's book, says at this point, okay, we're this close to the end of the program. Is there anything that we have not touched on that you particularly want to Want to, to talk about? Well, you, you mentioned in the previous segment, um, you know, 
I talk about some of the golf bags that I enjoy yeah, carrying. There you, uh, go. you know, there's about, you know, I'm kind of a little bit of a collector of golf bags. I've probably got eight or ten of them scattered about. And uh, there's a great bag made right there outside of Raleigh and Apex by the Stitch, Stitch Company, S-I-T-C-H. Uh, they make a terrific golf bag. And um, I also enjoy uh, carrying a, a lightweight golf bag from the Jones Golf Bag Company. That's a company that made a vintage bag that a lot of folks will remember from back in the 70s and 80s, uh, the old uh, Jones bag that they carried uh, on their high school golf team. And then a, a fun thing I did, Tom, I learned there was a company in, in Oregon that does custom-made golf bags, and they, they use the fabric from used pin flags from, from real golf courses and real golf holes, uh, you know, the flag that high, that hangs on the the flag stick, you know, on the on the 18 greens at the golf course. So, I, I had an interesting bag cobbled together for me that um, I got pin flags from six of the courses featured in this book to kind of give a, you know, just kind of a, a fun golf bag. Uh, I've got a, a flag from Palmetto Golf Club down in Aiken, South Carolina, which is the oldest club featured in the in the in the book that goes back to 1892. I've got a flag from Piner's Number Two, which is the most famous course featured in the book. It's uh, had three U.S. Opens and has another one coming in in 2024. I've got Old Town out of Winston-Salem that you mentioned earlier, which is probably my personal favorite. It's a Perry Maxwell course, opened in 1939. It's just a wonderful environment, a, a great course, a lot of idiosyncrasies to it, a lot of land rolls, uh, just some great green complexes. I've got Grandfather Golf Club up in Linville, which is probably the most aesthetically pleasing course. I've set there in the mountains. It's just a, a, a beautiful golf course and a fun course to play. And then I've got the two modern courses that are featured in the book, Eagle Point in Wilmington, which is uh, my favorite Tom Fazio-designed golf course, and then, and then Old Chatham up here in the Triangle that I am a member and, and play at. So I've, I've got this custom-made bag that uh, has logos, of, of all these six courses, and so it's a nice conversation piece. People say, oh, that's a cool bag. Uh, you know, what's the story behind it? And I tell them about my book, and so I hopefully can sell a few books talking about my golf bag. But it's, it's, it's very light. It only weighs three pounds, uh, single strap, uh, no stand on it. It's just uh, very simplistic, uh, very minimalistic, and it's the kind of bag I enjoy, enjoy carrying. Well, I know there were probably people listening tonight who were saying, those guys are talking about, you know, walking the whole course and carrying your own bag or maybe having a caddy carry it, but they were thinking about some, some golf bag that uh, is none of the ones you're talking about, one of the old heavy ones with the full complement of clubs in it, and, and that's one reason I wanted to touch on this subject, as you you chose to, to touch on it, that uh, it's possible to, to slim it down a little bit so you're not carrying as much weight and to, to limit your number of clubs. Uh, so you, you, well, and, and technology, you know, has affected so many things that uh, they can they can put a lot in a golf bag these days uh, without a whole lot of weight to it. Uh, it's amazing what you can get for four pounds and under. Exactly. Now about the 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 hickory. I don't know whether you want to talk about this or not, but the hickory uh, clubs, the people who want to play courses and play just with the old fashioned course, the nib, 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 nib what do they call it, the neblock or something like that. Uh, the names for the the golf clubs that have now gone by the wayside. Yeah, they're they're, they're called. You know, some of them are Spoon, Niblick, Mashie. Yeah, there you um, go. You know, they didn't have numbers on them uh, back in the back in the early days, and so they all had a name. And yeah, there's uh, 
there are several groups out there. One of the most notable ones is called the Society of Hickory Golfers, and it's just uh, people who want to play uh, with old-fashioned clubs, with vintage clubs that have the hickory shafts and the, and the old steel heads, and so they'll get together. They, they travel all over the country, but uh, you know, there's there's an avid group in the Carolinas, and you know, some of the courses uh, features such as Sedgefield and Greensboro, uh, uh, Mid Pines in, in in Southern Pines is is one that um, are, are, are shorter courses and are really good for people who like to uh, I'm play the old-fashioned way with, with hickory courses. Hickory I'm going to have to stop you now because we're out of time. The tempest. But thank you for being on with us tonight, and I hope people will go and buy Good Walks, uh, Rediscovering the Soul of Golf at 18 of the Carolinas. Uh, best courses, and they will enjoy reading it as I enjoy reading it. And I'm glad we finally got to meet Lee, and I hope we can talk again sometime. Good. Well, thanks for having me on, Tom. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Okay. Have a good night.